Hey folks, I'm Jason. And I'm Eric. I teach people how to raise livestock on the land. And I teach people the Bible. I play a little banjo. And I play bass. I'm a passionate bow hunter. And I'm a die-hard Badgers fan. Together we're just two common folk trying to pursue Jesus. And live out our faith beyond Sunday's sermon. So this is actually take two. This is take two. And it's a Monday morning. <laughs> it is. Well, and like I told you, I didn't sleep the best last night. So I, if, I, uh, if my brain is foggy, I apologize. Um, but well, yeah, I think you, sometimes it, that's just reality. You yeah, know? so it, I, I got a text from you that you were running a little behind, to be honest, when you texted me I was out in the pasture doing chores and I was like oh yeah it's Monday morning so I forgot (laughs) yeah and so we're both kind of reeling a little bit here yeah I've got a a spine from a thistle stuck in my finger that's really bothering me so yeah yeah, we're off to a good start hey but that's good that's reality and I think that's kind of the whole goal of this is like uh you know we're we're walking through real life and even for me it's easy to curate a sermon that is really beautiful and put together and um it's another thing to just talk through the real life version of it and part of it is just having days where you're just not at your best and um i was actually just talking to someone else about this about how uh like what i found about life is like it's it's not really about like making these making progress necessarily every day it's like you're gonna have days where you feel awesome where you just kind of take these huge strides and you get really awesome things done. And then you're going to have days where you're just like off and you are exhausted. And it's like, those days are about not sabotaging what you did on the other days. And there are days where it's like, just not sabotaging the, the previous day's work is the win. And yeah. Yeah. And uh, so we played a lot of baseball this past weekend Mm -hmm. and I think baseball is a good analogy for what you're talking. Baseball is probably the best sport to make like life analogies with because it's a it's a slow grind. Mm-hmm. A game is in itself, but the season is and is as well. And baseball players especially know that like you go through ups and downs. You go through yeah. these long droughts, and then all of a sudden you snap out of it, and you're playing better than ever. Yeah. And so you can't put too much stock in the highs or the lows. Yeah. And so, like, two weekends ago, my son's team got beat so bad, mm-hmm. and it was so demoralizing that we were like, is it really worth us driving to lacrosse next right. weekend to get embarrassed all weekend right well we embarrassed everybody else last weekend yep. and so part of me was like i don't feel bad about this like we're pounding these guys 12 to nothing yeah but this was us last weekend yeah and so that's just kind of how life is yeah. and so I think we've talked about it before, like when you gain perspective, you get to a point where you're not dismayed by the lows. Yes. And well, because nothing in life stays the same. I mean, like that's just the reality is and and I'm sure everyone listening has heard this before, but it's like if things are awesome, like enjoy it. But no, like they're not going to stay awesome. Like and if things are terrible, like 
they're not going to stay terrible. Like it, it just is life is constantly changing. And that's why for me, like Ecclesiastes is such a fundamental book about understanding life. Cause you understand this, there's just a rhythm. And that actually goes right along with, um, my sermon for Sunday, which was just trying to find the rhythm of life. Okay. Um, and, and really talking through the metaphor of just of breathing of how like there has to be a rhythm of expelling and receiving new. And, uh, that's part of like the Sabbath is if you, you know, cause I was kind of, and we addressed it on the, on the podcast. I was kind of afraid that like this series would just communicate to people like, you know, don't really accomplish much, just kind of float through life, do the bare minimum. And it's like, that's not what the Bible teaches at all. It's like, when you're working, you should be giving it all. Like, you should yeah. be the hardest worker. And you should be truly, when you go to those periods of rest, you should be truly empty. Because then there's like completely newness to everything. God has so much space to fill. Your cup is empty. Um, and so many of us tend to like, want to hold on to what God has given us and it becomes old and stale and stagnant. Well, in the book of Hebrews, it says, so that you may run the race with endurance. And that is like the polar opposite of idleness. Yes. But it, so like the purpose for all of this is so we can keep excelling, actually. Yes. That's exactly it. And, and that's the thing is I truly believe that someone who has a healthy rhythm to life that is in line with God's design is going to get way more done in six days than someone is going to in seven. Um, And that was the main metaphor I talked about is like this life of being a Christian is a race. That's how the Bible lays it out as a race. And it says, run it to win. And we always tend to think of like, if someone's good at running, you know, they're strong, they're athletic, but the reality is they are good at breathing. That's, right. that's what makes you good at running is you can breathe and you have oxygen getting in there. And that's where I really just talked through that idea of finding a rhythm to life where you are free to work with passion and excitement and just pour it all out and serve and give everything because you know that you are also taking that time to rest and that God is going to give you fresh things to give away and to find that rhythm where you're pouring yourself out and then you're being refilled, just like breathing is. Um, And just like breathing, like if you're only trying to breathe in, it's not going to work very good. And if you're only trying to breathe out, it's not going to work very good either. There has to be a rhythm and a flow to life where you're doing both and it's back and forth and you can find a pace in which I can run this race and I can keep going and I'm not going to fall apart halfway through. Um, And that was really kind of the heart of the whole message is trying to find that rhythm of life um, so that you can run it well. And you kind of keep setting me up for baseball analogies, but it's like Mm -hmm. sometimes people get annoyed by baseball players and see it as almost like superstition. They keep doing the same thing over and over. But really what they're doing is creating that rhythm and trying to create this, uh, you know, a routine that they go through that's consistent. They're, They're going for consistency. If you, the, the home run, the person who tries to hit a home run all the time is not going to hit 
for average. Right. But the person who is focused on keeping a rhythm Mm -hmm. is going to hit for average. And that's really what we're talking about. Yeah. Well, and it's so much about just not fighting against God's design. And that's, I think we talked about that in one of the other ones of just God's design is going to win. And it's like, it's the same thing. And I mentioned on Sunday, like being a musician, it's like when you are fighting against the rhythm of the band, it feels terrible. Like you just, it's exhausting to try to fight against the speed. Cause that it'll happen all the time. Like, you know, our worship team and not to get too far into the weeds, but we usually use what's called a click track. And it's like, that's such a godsend because we all know the beat. And so mm-hmm. the congregation doesn't hear it, but in our in ears, we all hear click, click, click. So we all are on the same beat. Because I've, I've been there where it's like, you know, I practice the song a certain way and you go to play and like the drummer's playing it twice as fast. Mm-hmm. And you're like trying to fight it and trying to kind of get to the rhythm that you want it. And it is just exhausting. And I eventually just always am like, all right, I guess we're just playing it twice as fast. Because it's just, it's not worth it to try to fight against the flow of the whole band. And I feel like it's the same thing with God's design. We can try to fight against it, but it's so exhausting. And eventually his design is going to win. You know, this this is going to be a long stretch of a association of what you're (laughs) talking about. But last weekend... Uh, so we were really excited about this tournament that we played because it was in lacrosse. So mm-hmm. a whole bunch of my family got to come and stuff like that. Well, Timothy was especially excited because the ball diamonds that we played on were like a block away from Dave's guitar shop. Ah, uh, nice. So we made a couple visits there. And it's amazing. Like, I don't know if you've ever been to that one. Yes, I have. Yes, yeah. that's why. That's actually where I bought my guitar from. Okay. Was from I bought my store. first guitar from there as nice. well. But... Anyway, what I thought was really cool about that particular guitar, I think it's like Dave's MO, mm-hmm. like to just be super cool with allowing people to grab anything yep. and play it. Yep. And Timothy was playing, he picked up a guitar that had a $4,700 price tag on it. Yep. And I got really nervous. I was like, is there a sign somewhere that says we, he shouldn't be doing this? Yeah. And I was like, Tim, do you think you have to, like, there's a ton of them here. Why do you have to play that one? Yeah. The guy's like, doesn't matter, bro. Yeah. And I was like, that's super cool. Yep. And so if I try to make an association yeah. there, it's like the natural uh, tendency for, for people coming into that place is to pick up something and play. Yeah. That's what they're made for. Yes. And I think Dave's understands that customer service. Yes. And making sales. Yep. You you have to be willing to let to take the risk that someone's gonna drop a forty seven hundred dollar guitar and put a crack in it or something like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. But it ends up paying off. So rather than fighting that natural flow. Yep. Or that natural tendency, they're working with it. Absolutely. And it is. And I think you're 100% right of like, I think Dave's would be the first to say like, okay, how many people have truly dropped guitars and ruined a $4,700 guitar? Maybe a handful of times in the whole time that they had it. Because most people are, they're going to see that price tag and they're going to be very careful with it. But it's like, how many sales have they made because they created an atmosphere where people feel comfortable grabbing a guitar and playing it. It's like there's they've made they have made their money 
back right. for any one of those. And I think it's just, it's that sense of control. Cause I think that would be, you know, if Dave's was like, no, we got to control everything. You don't touch that. We got to sign a waiver before you like, the more you try to control things, the less you're going to be able to benefit from the natural rhythm. So that's what, what Dave's understands is people have a natural rhythm. They go into a guitar shop. There's just an inkling. There's a flow to say, I'd love to grab a guitar and play it. That's why if you, if you buy a used vehicle with a scratch in it already, Mm-hmm. You don't live with the stress of not getting that first scratch in it. Absolutely. Well, and it's they're they're working with that rhythm of like, oh, people like to be able to grab a guitar and play. We are much more likely to sell a guitar to someone who grabbed it and played. So rather than us trying to fight that, why don't we come alongside that and just utilize it? And will there be people who drop a guitar here or there? Sure. But understanding the cost of going with the rhythm is always going to benefit you much more than the cost of trying to fight against it. And I just think that that is so much of of our life is the more we try to control, um, the less we are in line with that rhythm of of God's design for our life. Um, And I think it's just hard for us, and I know especially for me, to just give up that control and say, God, I want to do it just your way. I want to be in your design. And where does that come from? I think, I mean, I'm going to just throw out there that I think we place expectations on ourselves that I don't think even come from ourselves. They're formed from the world around us. Um, And so, like, for me, I'm not a napper. Um, I think the reason I'm not a napper is because I feel really tired when I wake up. Yep. But I also think there's this part of me that feels like if I lay down and take a nap, even when I know that I need it, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not getting something done. And I wrestle with that. Yep. Um, where does that come? Like, how did I get that in me? And, you know, I don't even know how I got started talking about naps. I, it somehow got <laughs> in my mind. But my grandpa was a, a routine napper. He yep. would never, and he was a dairy farmer. Yep. A very successful one. Mm-hmm. Super hard worker. Yep. Uh, it could be the middle of second crop of hay. Yep. And we have to keep going. Yep. He would come and eat lunch and not even turn the tractor off and let it keep running Mm -hmm. but he would take his 10 minute nap yep yep and like so many other people would be like dude you can't afford to do that there's rain coming you have to keep going but he just recognized like if i don't get this 10 minute nap i'm doomed for the rest of the day yep yep and so he didn't fight it yeah and but so that's just one kind of goofy example but i think there's all kinds of things we probably all know that we shouldn't have as many things on the calendar as we do but we put them on there because we feel like we have to yeah well and i think i think everybody's a little different but i think the core is that i think we just think we can beat the system like like again i think that's why gambling is such a problem we all know the odds we know the house wins but we all think we're the special ones that can beat the system. We can we can overcome the odds. And I think there's just this thing in us that says, well, I know there's kind of this design for humans that we, 
we have to rest and we can only work for so long before we lose our effectiveness. But we just tend to think we can somehow beat the system, somehow overcome it, and we're the ones that that doesn't apply to. Um, and so we, we, we just push it. But like you said, we, we hit our ceiling of effectiveness. And there's been so many studies that have shown there's only so long that you can work before it's like your return on your work just plummets. And it's like, man, if you were to take an hour nap, you know, if you have four hours and you took an hour nap and then worked for three, you'd probably get way more done in those three hours than four hours without it. It's just, but we tend to think economics, we call it the law of diminishing returns. Exactly. And that's where a lot of us are at. And I just think we have to admit like, Oh, we can't beat this. It makes me think of, you know, daylight savings time, which I don't, are they going to get rid of that or not? Well, I always hear rumblings about it. We lived in Indiana for two years where they don't recognize it. Yeah. I, the reason I think of that is is there was a, a quote um, from uh, an indigenous chief way back in, in, I don't remember the year, and I might be slaughtering the quote, so I apologize. But when the, the idea of daylight savings time was introduced, he said, only, only a white man would cut an inch off the top of the blanket, sew it to the bottom, and say he made a longer blanket. And I feel like that's what most of us are trying to do. It's like we're, we're, we want to feel like we have somehow made a longer blanket. And it's like, you can't, you only have so much energy. Yeah. Like that's it. And no matter how much you try to trick the system, you, your blanket's going to be as long as it ever right. was. And in either you can understand the design and work within it and accept it, or you can be constantly trying to cheat it and work it and overcome it. Um, and it just is not going to give you the results that you're hoping for. You know, I just keep going back to it. God's design wins. So if I could just like jump right ahead and and just like profess why I believe for anyone who's listening, like, okay, you guys are kind of rambling on for a second episode now about mm-hmm. why, you know, about why we should rest, but really why should we rest? And if I had to boil it all down, it'd be because the things that matter most in life, which what for almost all of us is our family and God, when we, when we don't rest, there's nothing left for those. Yes. They get the scraps, the table scraps of every, you know, whatever is left. Yep. Well, and that's what I said, I think it was last week of like, if you don't rest, like there will be a cost. Like that's just the reality of it. Something's going to pay the price for you not resting. And unfortunately, it's usually what's most important to you. It's mm-hmm. your it's your spouse. It's your kids. It's the things that really matter that are, are going to be the most affected by it. Um, and I think that's why it's just so important for us to understand that we can't cheat the system because, and, and even like I said this Sunday, it's like rest should not be coming from a place of selfishness. And that's why I'm so like, I'm so, I emphasize so much. This is not something you feel guilty for because you have to understand if you love the world, 
if you want to make a difference, if you love your family, this is how you do it. Because, you know, on Sunday I talked about just having something fresh to give. If you're not in that rhythm of, of giving everything and then receiving new, then what you have to give, even when you try to give it, is like old and stale. And that's what I was like. If I came to your house and was like, can I have a drink of water? And you're like, yeah, I poured a glass a couple years ago. It's in the back of the refrigerator. I'll give it to you. I'd be like, "Don't. can you get me something like fresh? But if we're not, if we're in this rhythm of like never really giving fully what we have, but never really getting anything new either, like even when we try to give to our family, we try to give to to you know the kingdom of God, we're giving old, stale stuff. And yeah. so it's like if you actually cared about people, you would rest. Like that's just because then now you've got something good to give them when you give them something. And I think if we could change our mindset on that of like rest so that you've got good stuff to give. You know, rest isn't just so that you can feel good. It's so that you have something to give when it's time to work. And I think that if we can start getting in that mindset, we wouldn't feel feel nearly as selfish or guilty for being refilled and taking the time to be refilled. So what's formulating in my mind is this image of like a three-part synergistic cycle. Mm-hmm. So like, and and I'll just say that I think most people have two parts of it right. So in this cycle, we have work and we have rest and we have God. Mm-hmm. And and you could probably even put like God and family yep. together. And that sounds a little worldly, but I'm just trying to simplify this. Yeah. So you have those three things, but like I said, a lot of people get two of them right mm-hmm. and kind of let the third one fall through the cracks or maybe don't take it. So like a lot of people may believe they rest Mm -hmm. because they have a lake house up north or they take a vacation or they do they are intentional about resting a couple days a week or whatever but if that doesn't lead you to the lord or if there isn't a component of you connecting with the lord in that then there's a third part of that synergistic cycle that's broken and you still end up empty. Yes. So you could have people who work really hard and play really hard or rest really hard or whatever, um, but are still just as empty and just as tired. Yeah. I, you're, you're hitting the nail on the head and that's where, and I talked on Sunday too about like, where a lot of us are at is that we are in a constant state of not really working and not really resting. And I had kind of given the example two weeks ago. I think I only gave it in one service because I hadn't really planned on it. But just talking about the land and how um, it also shows us that if you don't rest, God very well might force rest upon you. Um, and how I went through a season where my back just kept going out and it was excruciating and I hated it and I was so mad at God and he just kind of was like, you need to rest. So either you're going to choose to do it or I'm going to choose it for you. Um, and just kind of, we see that even with the land when the Israelites were like, no, I'm not going to give the land its rest. And God's like, well, then you're going to be captive and the land's going to get its rest. And I kind of talked through how, you know, Part of that was that I wasn't obeying God in rest and and he was going to 
make me rest. But the other part of it is at that time, I was, I was not working out. I was not exercising my back at all. And I thought I was doing good for my back by not doing that. But the problem was I was standing all the time, like 10 hours a day. I was just standing in place, which is actually the worst possible thing for your back because you're not really working it and you're not really resting it either. So it's just in this constant state of neither one. And that's when my back went out all the time. And when I got into a better rhythm of I'm going to work out my back really hard, but then I'm also going to let it rest and heal. My back's never been better because that's what's healthy. That's what your body's made to do. And I feel like for so many of us, we're in this constant state of when we're working, we're not really working that hard. But when we're resting, we're still kind of working. And that's the worst possible thing for us. And I think even just finding that divide of like, when we work, we really work and we give everything we have. Because that's when I think, and I'm, I promise I'm bringing this back to what you were saying. I think what really pushes us into that time with God is being truly empty when we get to our place of rest. I think if we get to our place of rest and we still have quite a bit in the tank and we're, we're you know, fine, then it's really going to be more challenging to, to kind of just throw ourselves at the feet of God. But like if we are like sputtering and the gas tank is smoking as we get to that place of rest and then we, we really will be like, all right, God, I'm empty. Like yeah. I need you. To re- I, I got to do this again next week. So man, I need you to do this. I think that's part of it too. I was just thinking there was a season of my life as well where I interacted with several people in the church who um, had two other parts of this right, but were missing another one. So like they definitely had down the Sabbath and the rest and the connecting with God, Mm -hmm. but they didn't really work much or hard at all. Yep. And that was very, that was hard in a couple, for a couple of reasons. It was hard for me to connect with them. Yep. Um, just because I can't, I I can't really identify with people Mm -hmm. who, I I don't know how to say that. Like, I'm not saying that at all in a snobby way, but it's Mm -hmm. just hard when people have like, all the time in the world and they just expect you to be available all the time. Like, I don't know. I, I see in scripture, like it seems like it's God's idea for us to work with our hands yeah, and to do and to achieve things even for him. But, um, so that that's hard as well. And I, I believe that, um, we need to be fulfilled vocationally yeah. um, in order to kind of complete this Absolutely. cycle as well. I oh, no, I agree 100%. I know it's that's kind of hard to talk about, but it is 100% biblical to be like, we, we should be really hard workers. And I've even found the seasons of my life where I've tried to like have a Sabbath and it just... It was like, yeah, this isn't really all that great, and I don't really know what the point of it is. Those were the seasons where I just wasn't working very hard. I wasn't coming into the Sabbath being able to say, hey, I poured myself out. Like, Mm -hmm. I I poured it out, and I need to be refilled. It was like, "Eh, I still got a lot there. It's 
old and stagnant and whatever, but I'm still, I got something there. So Mm -hmm. my Sabbath, I'm just going to, you know, hang around and whatever. It's like, well, then the Sabbath isn't going to be all that special. But when you are truly like the Israelites in the desert, where like it's at the end of the day, your manna is gone and like you need fresh manna, otherwise you're going to starve. Sabbath becomes way different because that is your lifeline and that is your trust in God to say, I poured myself out. I gave everything because I trust that you're going to give me all new things. So now I need you to be faithful to what you've promised me to do. That is a whole different Sabbath than, yeah, I got a little extra time to, you know, whatever. And again, I don't want to list any hobbies. I don't want to shame anybody. But but there is that mindset of like, eh, I still got plenty in the tank. So this is just going to be a day for me to, you know, play around. Well, people kind of like too much boredom can lead you into bad places mm-hmm. you just think about what adolescents do when they are bored and my wife all the time says it's okay for the kids to be bored and I don't disagree with that I believe that we're in a time and society that's different than it's ever been where we feel like we have to have all these things to keep kids from getting bored and it's okay for them. But I think that kind of boredom that she's talking about is different than what I'm talking yeah. about. I think um, boredom can can lead people into places of just valuing things and doing things that they would never do before. Yeah. And so that's where I really believe, you know, having fulfilling work and finding what that is for us is really important. But then, like, if, you know, if God uh, puts something on our heart and gives us a skill set to do this work that's fulfilling, uh, it's important to take occasional breaks from it to recharge. Otherwise, you lose your love for that thing or you lose your drive to do it. And that's even what I told Timothy, like, I know I keep going back to baseball and I'm sorry for anyone no, who good. hates it, but like my, my biggest, like you're playing a lot of games this summer and I am more than happy to have you in all these games. But I said, the thing I care about the most is I want you to still love baseball yeah. after this summer. And if it gets to the point where you start feeling burnt out or sick of it or start resenting it, then that's bad. Yep. And so I don't care if we're for you as a pastor, like you were called to that. You were given this skill set to lead a flock of people. And so it's very important that you do what it takes to protect yourself from getting to a point where you resent the flock or you resent that, you know, call on your life. And same thing for me in, in my professional career. Like we have to be intentional about, knowing how to recharge absolutely and i think that that's a great word and don't feel bad about giving baseball analogies i said the same i i gave a real long crossfit analogy on sunday <laughs> and on the way home i told les i'm like i feel like i give way too many crossfit analogies but it's like that's what i know and yeah. and and there's a lot of lessons there so i don't never feel bad for that and but, it's okay for people to get a glimpse into your heart and yeah. and what things are valuable to you yeah it and i appreciate that and that's what that's what les told me too um 
I think even just this reminds me of, of a really good piece of advice. And I, unfortunately, I don't even remember who gave it to me, but they, they just said, beware of old energy. Old energy is not your friend. Like that stagnant energy. And I think that's where, like, even when you talk about boredom, I think boredom is a, it is a, like a, a, a push. So, so boredom can be good or bad. It can be really good if it pushes you towards something that's good. Like, like, you know, you've got kids that play music and I love it. And that's the same thing with me. And that's what, for me, boredom always pushed me to write a song or learn a new yeah. song. And it's so, but boredom, it just, it pushes you boredom somewhere. Is neutral. It is. It just pushes you to do something. But I just, there is a difference between fresh energy and old energy. It just, old energy is very stagnant and it tends to push you in really bad directions. Um, and, you know, those, those of you who are listening that are men, um, you know, you probably know there's a certain sin that a lot of men struggle with. Um, I would say probably over 75% of men that go to church struggle with this. Um, and a lot of that is just old energy. Mm -hmm. It's that's that those are the type of things that old energy leads you to because you, you want, um, to feel certain things and accomplish certain things, but you're, you're not, you don't have that freshness to do the really hard work that right. it takes. So you're in this in between of I'm restless, but I, this energy isn't fresh enough for me to do what it takes to get the real thing. So I'm going to look for the fake thing. And that's what I would just say to everybody. Cause it was advice that really helped me is beware of old energy. Hmm. Get that's, that's really, I've never yeah. heard that before. And that's, I like that. And that's the importance of giving, working hard, giving everything you have. Cause then you don't have old energy. Every, I mean, if you look at the manna in the desert, that is such a um, magnifying glass of the heart of God. And what he was trying to tell us is don't try to gather and hold on. Come to me for fresh, because when they tried to hold on to it, it was spoiled and maggoty. And it's even with our energy, be okay, given everything you have every day. So I kind of want to talk about maybe we could finish talking about that a little more yeah. and i'm sure you weren't like prepared to go into a long discussion about i'm always prepared to this talk old for a long and new time. energy but yeah. i'm just thinking about that so like how do you even recommend or get someone who may have heard this for the first time who it's they're like i think he's talking exactly about me mm -hmm. um like how do you even start to counsel someone through sort of finding some new energy? And I think I'll just start it by saying that's exactly what Sabbath is for. Yes. I think the first thing, and I'm not an expert by any means, and that's where even on Sunday, again, I just was very open with the church of like, this is something I struggle with, rest and, and all of that. Uh, I don't have all this down. Um, but... Where I started is, is not being afraid to give everything because I think I lived, and I mentioned this in one of my sermons, I don't remember which one, but I, one of my biggest fears is somebody needing me and not having enough to give. Yeah. That, it's like that is a big fear. So I'm always holding back. I'm never really giving 
fully because I want to make sure I've got some reserves. But that is the recipe for having old, restless, stagnant energy to where even if someone does need me, what I have to give is just gross. It's not what I would want to give. Um, and so for me, it was the start of just trusting God to be like, I will, every day I'll pour myself out and I'm okay being empty by the end of the day. And I, I'm just thinking of some examples. So like you could be just totally sick and wore out from your current job, your current profession, yep. and it's doing nothing for you, but you feel stuck in it. That's that's old energy. Yes. Um, you could be in a relationship that could be described the same way. You mm-hmm. know you need to get out of it. Um, now, obviously, it's different if we're talking married yeah. or dating, yeah. and I don't want to go too far into that, but right, right. it could be a younger person and just a bad relationship that you know you need to get out of. That's old energy. It could be you've been eating bad for years mm-hmm. and you just feel terrible about yourself. You never right. feel good. Yep. It could be a habit like yep. you described or alcohol or something like that. So there's all these things. Uh, you could be in a home that you just don't enjoy yep. and you feel like you'd like to do something different, but you just... You just kind of feel stagnant. So, yeah. like, there's all these things. And so I think there's a major... What did what did you say? It's a failure to... There's something you said before that. And what mm-hmm. I was thinking is it can what can leave us stuck in this old energy is failure to trust God. Yes. But all none of those things are insignificant. If you're going to make a job change, if you're yeah. going to sell your home and find something new that breathes life into you. If you're going to end a bad relationship or really try to walk away from a bad habit, like those are big things. Those are not insignificant. And I would say that it is going to be really tough to leave that old energy behind, pursue new energy, find new energy without seeking the Lord. Oh, it'll be impossible without and, seeking the Lord. Yeah, that's a better way of putting yeah. it. And I think it's going to be impossible to find the hear the Lord's voice without Sabbath. Oh, absolutely. And because, again, it's the only way you can be comfortable emptying the tank is if you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, with no question that there is a fresh tank of gas waiting for you. That's the only way you're going to be able to do it. And I think that that's, and now I'm just going to go right back to CrossFit because you've given me permission. But one of the things that CrossFit taught me is your brain will tell you you've got nothing left way before you have nothing left. There is so much more in the tank that if you just press through that initial, oh, you got to stop, you're done you're like, you can go so much farther. And I think even a good start would be like, just see really how much farther you can go. How much could you really give to your marriage? How much energy really at the end of the day could you have left? Because it's almost like if you guys, I I did this once as a teenager. I don't know if everybody is as weird as me, but when I got my first car, I was like, 
for some reason I got this idea of I want to see exactly how far I can push it before the gas is like empty because I just had never known that. And so I was just driving around where I knew there was a bunch of gas stations. And again, I was a dumb 16-year-old. But it was exhilarating. Like, oh my goodness, we're still going. We're like three inches below E, and we're still going. And it's like, I think it's the same in life. It's exhilarating when you just press past. I'm tired. I worked hard today. Yes, I could pour into my marriage. Yes, I could pour into my kids. Yes, I could, you know, do this, do that, but I'm done. To truly, are you done though? Do you have more energy? Like, are you willing to try and push it? And then when you do just fully run out of gas, okay, then you're done. But I think just that willingness to be like, do I have a little bit more? Like, can I give a little more? Um, Because that's when your Sabbath is going to be amazing. Like for me, when I'm able to just sputter my way into the Sabbath, like when you're like rolling your car into the gas station, it's like Sabbaths are so amazing. They're like, they're the best because you're so empty and God's always so faithful. And what you get filled with is so fresh and so vibrant. And then the next week, what you have to give is so beautiful and, and you can see what you're giving to your family is fresh and new and amazing. You start to get in that rhythm where you're like, I want to give all I want. I want to have fresh stuff again next week. You get, you almost get uh, addicted to it, you know? Yeah. So I think that's even as a place to start of like metaphorically, are you willing just to test and see, do you have more when your brain tells you, no, I'm tired, I'm done. You probably have a lot more to give after that. And I would just like to say that if this thing that Eric described of old energy, if that did anything inside of you and just made you feel that that's you in any way, I would say that you are a prime person who should be figuring out how to integrate some Sabbath into your life because what you need to do is connect with the Lord because I think I know he's got something different for you. Yes. Um, but you just have to be willing to go get it. Absolutely. And, and so, you know, any, anyone who came to me and said, you know, I'm really considering a different job, but I'm, I'm nervous about it. Or I'm, I've even counseled a friend through a a home purchase and it's like, you need to take some time to, quiet all the noise around you somehow and that's kind of jocelyn and i when there's big decisions i'll be like let's take a little bit of time and we each have to take it upon ourselves to just quiet all the noise around us and to just get with the lord and figure this out because i want nothing to do with making a decision that he has nothing to do with absolutely one that goes back to moses um of like you know I'm not going to go unless you're going. I don't care where it is. Um, And I just, to me, it goes back to, and I think this is a good place to even just wrap it, is, you know, the point that I made is I I hear so many people as I talk to them, like, really downplay who they are as a Christian. Like, yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not one of the the good Christians. I'm not, like, and they might not say those words, but you can just feel that that's how they view themselves as there's like this, the Christian's really doing things and then they're kind of just trying to get to heaven and 
not really doing much. And I just think that all of us will be shocked at how we run the race when we're breathing. Like, and I gave the example on Sunday, like my sinuses were absolutely jacked up on Sunday. I couldn't breathe through my nose at all. I was a mouth breather. And I was like, if I went and tried to run a 5k right now, I would be so terrible. And if that's how I judged my ability to run the race, I would have a terrible view of myself. Mm -hmm. But if I waited until I could breathe, I would run the race completely different. And the reality is most of us as Christians in America are trying to run a race without breathing. And it's like, I think we're all going to shock ourselves at how differently we run this race if we start breathing. And I think that that's when it gets fun. Running a race when you can't breathe is not fun. But when you are getting oxygen, it's like, it's fun. It's exciting. It's exhilarating. And that's my heart for everybody. And I think you nailed it. Like if you're, if you're trying to run on oxygen from four years ago, like there's nothing, it's not sending anything to your muscles. Like watch what happens when you start getting some fresh oxygen in your lungs. I think you're going to shock yourself at the kind of Christian you start walking and, um, and it's available to all of us. That's what's exciting. It's right there for us um, if we're willing to, again, align ourselves with God's design for our life. Well, would you want to wrap us up today? Yeah, absolutely. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for the fresh outpouring that you offer for us. And God, I pray for anyone who's listening to this that's been operating on old energy and uh, maybe has been caught up in sin because of it or just is uh, unhappy with with who they are or, or the, the fruit of their life. I just pray that you give them a vision and excitement for what life could look like with, with freshness, with, with new air in their lungs, with, with the rhythm of truly breathing your, your spirit um, in their lives. And so I just pray that, that they start now. You give them creative ideas on how to implement this. You give them the courage to, to test themselves a little bit more to see if they have more to give to those around them on a daily basis. And God, I just pray your blessing over everybody listening in your name. Amen. Amen.